1: Hello and welcome to another of the Pearls of Wisdom podcasts. And today, without exception, we're doing more in the series of International Women's Day. And the wonderful, wonderful lady that I'm interviewing this evening you will find she is the most popular guest I have ever had on the podcast and it's just brilliant I love speaking to this lovely lady I get all excited because it's just you are just a dream guest and your story is so inspirational today I'm speaking to Rachel Gotto welcome Rachel thank you so much for being my guest again
0: Well, it's my total pleasure. What a gorgeous introduction. I feel as if I'm your star pupil. That's what it is. (laughs) So thank you for inviting me back, pal. It's always a pleasure to come on your show.
1: Thank you so much. And I've so been looking forward to this. So without further ado, I'm going to go back to social profiles because I'm doing, I started this whole International Women's Day from one post on Facebook. And we're now up to 150 people that are going to be interviewed so it's just wonderful from there
0: congratulations that's a lot
1: thank you thank you now I say to all the listeners make sure you've got pen and paper ready because once you've listened to this lady you need to reach out and connect with her on social media and I am going to read from Rachel's LinkedIn profile I mean it's just phenomenal it really is Rachel is a clinical hypnotherapist Inspirational speaker, personal success coach, and author of Flying on the Inside. And if you haven't already pre ordered that, make sure you get across to Amazon and make sure you pre order because it's going to be fantastic. Welcome once again, Rachel, now that we've shared all those details. (laughs) Yes,
0: okay.
1: Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked all the ladies in this International Women's Day series. Can I ask you to share your phenomenal, inspiring story, your career story? Because I know anyone listening is going to think, yes, I want to follow Rachel because everything you've achieved is just off the charts. So could you share that story with us? Of
0: course I can. And I, I love to share my story, not because I like to go over difficult and tragic times. It's because I really, really think that when people hear stories of real triumph over tragedy and real triumph over the trauma, it gives everybody hope that there is so much more out there. So I'm going to give you a brief synopsis so we don't get too bogged down in my story this evening. I really only began my career five years ago. And that's what I'm really proud about. I'm so proud that at nearly 50 years of age, I was able to become a clinical hypnotherapist, a mentor coach, and now a speaker And I'm proud to say that my memoir is actually going to hit the shelves in November this year. That's a lot to achieve in about five years, Pearl, isn't it? It So what was I doing (laughs) five years ago? Because I can hear everybody going, well, where were you? What were you doing? You must have been in university. You must have been doing some amazing jobs. Well, actually, I was spending most of my time trying to stay alive, believe it or not. And I had so many tragedies and traumas hit my life, that it literally prevented me from working for a very, very, very long time. But to cast our minds back to when I was at the tender young age of 23, I can hardly remember it now. And I'm 52 this year, so you can do your maths on that. I was a bit of a goer. And I sort of had a, a lot of energy in me. And I always wanted to do something That was kind of for me and it was sort of represented who I was and even at that age. And so I became an entrepreneur at the age of 23. I didn't even know the word entrepreneur at that age. All I knew was that I wanted to do something and I wanted to own my own business. So what I did was I opened a restaurant and I ran the restaurant on my chef's days off. I cooked, I learned to cook very quickly, and I ran a bistro. And at 23 years of age, I had plenty of energy. I was able to work seven days a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I partied as hard as I worked, Pearl. I can tell you. (laughs) I I don't know where the battery pack came from, but I'd say at that age, we'd all be running. I'm sure you were at 23. You were able to hold many plates in the air and and twelve them and do everything. So that was a fantastic. Um experience for me I didn't make a penny pearl, not one penny, okay, but I was really good at customer service. I loved people, I loved to make sure that people had a lovely experience, and I can still remember the the feeling I got when people left, having eaten well and had a lovely time, even if I was as poor as a church nurse <laughs> and I wasn't able to pay the repay the loans, but it was a great start. And really, after a couple of years, everything just went to sunder. It was like an earthquake happened in my life. And just briefly to let the people who listen know if they haven't heard any of my other interviews, that it all began really with quite an adverse childhood. But I was doing okay, and I was sort of finding my way out of it. My beautiful closest brother in age, Dominic, unfortunately got cancer at the age of 26, I was about 24. And I just gave up everything to look after him. It was an enormous journey at such a young age. It was so tragic. But I was welded to him emotionally. We had we were like twins, really. And we call it Irish twins here over in Ireland, where, you know, two children are born very close to each other. There was only a year between us. And so... I really put everything on ice. I left my restaurant, I rented it out, and I took care of him. And I, I went all over the world looking for a cure for this cancer that he had. And unfortunately, he died a couple of years later in November 2000, um, not 2011. So I'm getting my years mixed up. It wasn't. 1996 is the year. And so, of course, I was bereft and a lot of loss a lot of pain at the same time as that actually a wonderful man had come into my life who was to be my husband and i knew when i met him immediately that this man was significant and i knew that he was going to be of some significance within my life and actually he was and we very quickly went on to marry beautiful man and he was a uh, an adventurer he was a seagoer he was a scuba diver he was a swashbuckling sort of pirate type almost. (laughs) And he came actually to me through the sea. Uh, My restaurant was in in a small little harbour and he actually came in on a boat. And interestingly, we arrived to Ireland on a boat. So I've had a lot of the ocean and sea themes in my life all the time. So this beautiful man, Nick, came into my life and uh, we began to have a life together and we had a wonderful time. And he taught me how to scuba dive. And so we ended up sort of working together and um, after Dominic died we stayed together and then he said to me do you know I think we should get married and I hadn't thought about getting married I was very young <laughs> and I just sort of said oh, okay <laughs> okay as you do and that was the most beautiful thing that happened it really was and we got married just a year after Dominic died and it was bittersweet but it was a gorgeous experience and I was pregnant very soon in the January and Sad to say that we only had eight months together because by the 24th of July, 1998, Nick had died. He died in a terrible accident. I was nearly six months pregnant. I was on the boat the night he died and I couldn't save him. So you can imagine, if we just think about it, the devastation that that brought to my life. It was huge, Pearl, huge. I was a young woman I was about to give birth. I'd lost my closest brother now I'd lost the love of my life and I was quite literally broken and devastated any of those words you can think of you couldn't put them in there and Nicola was born three months after it died and of course that was we all know that childbirth is is pretty tough in the best of times and, and a huge life-changing event and so I had I gave birth and it was just another thing to deal with. And it was very, very tough. And for any woman out there who's ever felt guilty for not loving their child in the way they wish to do so, you have my compassion because I went through that. I I found it so difficult to bond with my baby after so much tragedy. It took a long time. So just love yourself if if you're going through that, it's difficult. And so we go on, you know, the story goes on. And I was reeling from the loss of Nick, reeling from the life changes, reeling from everything. And then I just started to behave very strangely. And life, although I was exhausted from grief and from being a mum, a new mum and all of those things, things were going a bit strange. And my body was betraying me a little bit, but I didn't take any notice, pal. Mm. And I was starting to do some very strange things like, not to be able to remember how to drive the car when I jumped into it, or I found myself driving on the wrong side of the road at times. And it really came to light when I was found unconscious by Nicola one morning, mm. and I was rushed to hospital, and lo and behold, horror of horrors, I had a benign inoperable brain tumor. That was there was nothing that could be done for me. It was so serious that the advice I was given was that I needed to actually write my will and put my affairs in order, that there was very little hope for me. Now, I'm not the type of person to give up, really. (laughs) I've never been able to give up, and it still is my problem today. But I didn't give up. And there was no treatment in Ireland, my home country, and I went across the water, and I literally went and trawled through hospitals. And to the same answer every time. I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. It's too complex, too dangerous. We couldn't operate. You wouldn't survive. You'll need to go and put your affairs in order. And they'd said, you know, that I, my, my, you know, length of life wasn't going to be great because this was unstable and I would likely have a massive stroke. And if it wasn't catastrophic and that my life was ended there, I would most certainly end up paralyzed. And, you know, so it was very, very serious until eventually, anyway, somebody, uh, mentioned that there was a surgeon in bristol and his name was mr richard nelson it sounds like a title of a book doesn't it <laughs> and he was a surgeon a neurosurgeon who was known in his field for tackling very very difficult issues and so it was suggested that i'd send him my scans and i did and the message came back through a letter i never spoke to him the days when we used to write letters and he more or less said i'll give it a go But if you do survive the surgery, you will more than likely be paralyzed down the left hand side of your body for the rest of your days. And so we went through all of that and I didn't have to think too hard, pal. So I went on and had the surgery. And of course, in my life, what was going to happen? Of course, I've survived, but I woke up paralyzed. I was paralyzed down the left hand side of my body. And of course, this was another learning. I had to learn to live with my dependency. I had to learn to live with my disabilities. And so that began a whole new journey of discovery for me, a whole new trauma to come through, a whole new change in my life, a whole new direction yet again. So it was like life was giving me lesson after lesson after lesson. And I don't think I was learning the lessons. When I look back, Pearl, I'm not sure I was hearing. (laughs) I'm not sure I was really listening. So I think what happened was I think the universe said, "Okay, she's not really listening. I'm going to give her one last big lesson to learn. I learned very quickly. My left arm took years and years and years to recover. And I was left-handed, so I had to become right-handed. So it was constant relearning a constant seeking new directions, but I still don't think I'd learned. And so I was put on lots and lots of medication because of this trauma in my brain. I had what they call an acquired brain injury. And so I was left with a huge amount of intractable epilepsy as a result of the neurosurgery. So I was on six drugs, four times a day. Now, over the years... I started to lose my connection to life. I started to live a very gray, sepia-like life. I was depressed. I was anxious. I couldn't sleep. My memory was deteriorating. I was hardly able to remember the day before, and the detail was going for my life. So it was like I was leading a half-life. It was like I wasn't really connected to life anymore. And this went on for some years until I actually woke up one morning having watched a video with Nicola the night before. And she said to me, "Oh, really enjoyed that video. And I said, did we watch a video? And she goes, yes, it was 51st dates. Don't you remember? And I said, I'm sorry, darling, I can't. What was it about? And then she says, but it's about a woman who loses her mind and she couldn't remember the next day. And she went on to tell me, I'm sure people know this story. And the horror that settled into me was I couldn't remember. I was the woman in the movie. I really was that woman. And so I started to think, this can't be it. This can't be all I've got left. I've got to have a be a better parent. I've got to be a better mum. And I've got to have some quality of life. So I started to research, was there anything in my medication? Was I, in fact, as brain damaged as they said? Did I really have a brain injury that would never, ever recover? And I asked countless doctors, countless Um, psychiatrists, and they all said, no, it's brain damage. There's nothing you can do about this. You're going to have to just live with it, Rachel. And you're lucky you're alive. And I kept thinking, but I'm not, I'm not really alive. I really don't feel as if I'm fully alive. I feel as if I'm not here half the time. And so anyway, I did some research and between the Jigs and the Real spell, I found out that one of the drugs I was on was called benzodiazepine. I didn't even know what it was, And so I asked the doctor, I said, how could I stop taking this? And he said, just stop taking it. And I said, just stop taking it. He said, yes. So I did. And within a couple of hours, I was in an incredible psychotic state. I didn't know that I had become an inadvertent drug addict. I didn't know that the drugs I'd been taking were drugs that you could become addicted to. Mm -hmm. So of course, I tried to stop taking the drug and it ended up in an awful mess. So fortunately a part of me was still together enough to say take the drug again and I did and I returned to my state so to fast forward I knew I had a very big journey in front of me now I knew that I had to come off some of these drugs and it took me two and a half years of incredible misery is the only word I can tell you and I was living in misery first so if we can pile some more misery on but I had 47 symptoms I became acutely agoraphobic I was really quite out of my mind. I was quite insane. I could never sleep. The skin fell off my body. My teeth became loose. My teeth bled. I had akathisia, which is an inability to stay still. I had looping thoughts. I had 47 physical and psychological symptoms that went on for about two years. I lost all my support network through that period because I actually was doing a a live into Facebook the other day and I was saying it's funny because people know how to respond to a broken body. People know how to respond to a broken life, but people don't know how to respond to a broken brain. It's one of those things, if it's not a normal in quotes issue, people are scared and people were scared of me because I was quite literally my mind had turned against me and I wasn't the person they knew so I, I had a very little support network but slowly but surely over two and a half years I withdrew from this medication and slowly but surely my life started to open up again the lights came on in me my heart was open and I could see in technicolor again I didn't feel as if I was a half person and so the recovery from that was a vastly huge because I'd been isolated for two and a half years I was like somebody from an institution I had to learn how to be in the world again I had to learn how to connect with people I even watched people talking so I could learn how to do the in, intonation and, and the head language I really had been out of society for two and a half years so I think I learned from that one. (laughs) I think finally it started to sink in that this is a journey that goes within. This is a journey, I was called to go home to myself and that's exactly what happened. I had to find everything within me because I had no support, I was alone, and I did go within. I started to meditate, I started to do yin yoga, which is a very slow practice of yoga if somebody doesn't know that. And it's, you know, you push yourself to your edge And I went right inside myself and I noticed that most of my thoughts were negative. I noticed that actually I was creating a huge amount of this within my own mind. So I got smart and I started to change the negative thoughts. I started to recognize that I had strength. And I started to recognize, Pearl, that I was lovable, that I was loved by the universe, not because people had deserted me anything. there was nothing wrong. That I was actually a lovable human being. So that's the story, the life story, pal. Does that give you an idea of where we're coming from?
1: What is, but you know, I tell everyone just how fantastic you are. I mean, that story, even before you go on and do anything else, even from starting as a young woman, to have that entrepreneurial thought and to pivot and go from one to another. You are phenomenal. You really are. I put you on a pedestal because I learn from you every time we sit down and discuss. Don't
0: you put me on any pedestals, and I'm still a bad girl at heart. <laughs> but I suppose the thing is, it had it gave me. I think it gave me that grounding. Yeah, and it gave me that belief. And it is a belief that I hold true is that no matter what, no matter what we're experiencing, that there is always a way to seek a solution. There is always a way around a problem. And that's what I really like to share is that I had to become inventive. The word pivot is so big nowadays. Yes. You know, we had to pivot to go online. We had to pivot because of the pandemic. And that's absolutely right, we did. I had to pivot many, many, many times through that, that experience of, it's it's over 20 years, way more than 20 years of experience. I was pivoting to stay alive. Right. And I was pivoting to find ways to keep my mind um, you know, close to me, to um, control because everything was so exponentially terrible. How did I cope? How did I manage it? How did I even get here? And I still ask those questions. And I still come back to the same premise, pal, that I am not unique. I have been called to many, many, many challenges I have been brought very very deep I have been brought to my knees but it's all relative because I believe that I struck gold with inside myself I struck mastery but because I had to because people often say to me oh I would never be able to do that I would have gone under you know or whatever and I say no you wouldn't No, you would not because you haven't been called to do it yet. And if you are, hopefully you won't be. I promise you, you can keep going down and down and down and down, but you'll hit bedrock. And when you hit bedrock, that is your foundation. You can go no lower than that. And I really think that the experience with the drug reduction pearl was when I hit my bedrock, when I couldn't be called into question any longer I think I was I would have come through all the other experiences and I don't think I'd have learned in the way I needed to and that was bedrock so I say to people you have that bedrock within you you've got that wonderful place in your heart that can't be taken away and that's where we start from if we're ever trying to come from the bottom up we start from that foundation from that place within us and you know That is the connection to life. That's all we need is that beautiful, gorgeous connection to life. That's when we start coming up again. We reconnect. And that's, I believe, what happened for me.
1: Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And it is. I know where what the work I'm doing now, I know it's my true purpose. Mm. And I'm what I'm 54 now and it's taken me to get here to know what my true purpose is. And it's taken going deep inside spiritually and realising and having my guides to show me, yes, and I know I need to be the voice to as many people as possible. I need to give everyone else a voice, which is part of what this movement and the podcast is all about, is mm-hmm. to give others that voice. And the experience you've had, what you've gone through, now we've, when we've all gone into lockdown... It's like you've had two years to experience that where you've been, where you were locked down and you had to learn to live again, as it were. And now you're doing it again. You've got those coping mechanisms. You've got those tools there that not everyone has. Mm -hmm. And this is where you're such an inspiration your story will inspire so many just listening to even just that little piece because it is such a it's such an emotional roller coaster and we learn with every step you've taken but that if people look at it and they're sitting and thinking oh yes we might come out of lockdown soon and covid will be different i hope that they take all the lessons from this interview the work you've done going inside and seeing putting those layers down like you say once you hit bedrock and I think quite a few people have hit bedrock in these last 12 months yes. Yes. that that's almost the springboard to say right yes this is as far as I'm going I'm not going any further now's my time and I'm going back up again and that's when you find yourself again yeah
0: and absolutely pal and the thing is is that Recovery is not a linear process. We hear it all the time, and it's true. And also, I think that we must come back from the bigger picture. If we're coming from bedrock, I'm talking, and maybe people are listening to this uh, who are at bedrock. And so the thing is, is that how I came out of bedrock, how I climbed my way back up was literally step by step. And the word that is the most important word is practice. Yes. Practice. If we want to, children who are learning to walk, they get up, they fall down, but they don't stay down, do they? They get up again. Mm-hmm. And this is what it's about. And people say, Well, I've tried that. And I say, Yes, but if you can try it with the idea that you don't need to achieve the whole thing in one day, if you can just bring yourself to do one thing and then get that under your belt, that is coming up from bedrock, that is taking charge of your life and it's incremental. It's really incremental. There is one thing that is key and I know that was key for me was when I was unable to leave the house for those two years, I actually joined a forum of people who are experiencing the same experience as me as coming off benzodiazepines. Now I can't tell you how important it is to be among the like-minded people Not people who are going to be saying, oh, this is terrible where we're at. It's people that we can stand on the shoulders of. People who have done this before, people who are halfway um, out of it, or somebody who's only one step ahead of you. Don't hang around with people who are at the same level as you. Always challenge yourself to be with somebody who's a couple of steps ahead because it gives you inspiration, it gives you a bit of a roadmap, and it gives you community. Somebody to reach the hand back from the dark to take your hand and bring you forward. So community is key. And if you are really in your boots at the moment, reach out to some community. Thank goodness we've got the online community so we can reach out. Reach out to somebody or some organization or some foreign or some community that makes you feel as if you've got something to follow for. Towards, We're heading towards something. And remember that it's one step forward, two back, three steps forward, six back. But that's not failure. I always say to my clients, any movement at all is healing. Any movement at all. It's when something is tight and not a nut or a bolt, isn't it, that won't move. When something's like that, we're going nowhere. So try and trust that just because you've made one step today, you're on the way, you're on that road. And find a vision for yourself. Have that little carrot. Decide your future. Decide what it looks like, because what you're doing is you're breaking your mind out of a pattern and you're creating possibilities. And it's all about possibilities. I was given no possibilities, Pearl. I was said, that's it, Your, your, your job is done. But I kept looking and I always say, just keep looking. And the one day you think you're going to give up, this probably the solution is just around the next corner. Yeah. Yeah. So you've go for it, you know? And for my coaching clients and for my hypnotherapy clients, this is the sort of stuff we work on. Of course, in hypnotherapy, we work at a deeper level and we're looking at belief systems and mindsets and where we acquired our belief systems. In coaching, we're trying to find the jewels, the gems, We're looking for that solution-focused approach. So we're moving ourselves from one place to the other. But The best transformations are the transformations that happen incrementally. There's a phrase in therapy, which is the flight into health. That's somebody who suddenly recovers. Generally, it's not really a true transformation. Often they start to come back again. So be, be, you know, uh, soothed and be confident that your small work today is going to bring you to greatness. And this is my favorite word. I love the word greatness because we've all got greatness within us, and we're we're working towards that all the time. And greatness means your personal greatness, not mine, not pearls, just your personal greatness. Find it within yourself. What were your goals and dreams? What were your passions? where have they gone? Can you ignite them again? You know, lots of personal inquiry is a
1: beautiful way to find the first footing to move forwards. I love, love all of this. And it's almost telling people that if you do it, once you do start to move forward, like you said, you might have those six steps back. But when you get back up again, Moving forward is that bit quicker because you've already done some of that that foundation work. So it's a lot quicker. And if if you didn't fall back, you wouldn't have learned those lessons and you wouldn't be able to see every day how far you have come because it's going to really push you forward. And I mean, all right, I've got my virtual background here, but I have sticky notes everywhere. I have my affirmations. I've got them that I say in my head when I wake up in the middle of the night. And you have all those worries come in. I have my affirmations and I say them to myself. I write in my gratitude journals. I my office is in a spare bedroom, so I have a wardrobe beside me, and it is full of post-it notes because that's that's my idea and that's how I work with. Wonderful. But that's what you do. You put that positivity. And I will share just this one thing because people might see yeah, now. This was all over my desk. Now this is my pot full of crystals nice. and I keep those by me as well because anything that is going to raise that vibration and keep you positive, like I said, it's to stay in your greatness. I use all of that. And its I wouldn't, if I'd have been told this time last year where I am now, I would not have believed them. And yet I feel like I'm skyrocketing now and that's because I've, fully believe in my greatness like you've said Rachel it's that greatness is a wonderful word
0: (laughs) great word I love it and the thing is is if you're wondering about your greatness and you might be saying well I don't feel very great there's another word that can come before that and that is be curious be curious about what fired you up as a child if you if you've lost that understanding of passion if you can't identify it in you go back and ask yourself what what fired me up as a child? What did I what did I love doing? Because even that mental exercise alone has a connection in the mind, yes. and it can open up all sorts of possibilities. And be curious about how you can find your greatness. Be curious about where you can go. And what I sometimes I love to do is is bring myself forward five years, go into myself when I'm. 57, whatever it is, and have a look back and say, What would I advise Rachel to have done at that age? What would I have advised her to get herself out of a funk? What would I make? What would be the best suggestion I could give her now? That can often bring a lot of change. So it can, if you just do some separating yourself from your circumstances and your situation and just. Asking yourself curious questions. Be curious about how you're feeling even.
1: Yeah.
0: Identify how you're feeling. Notice the sensations in your body. Can you have words to match the sensations? All of that will bring you towards this feeling of greatness. And stay with it because it took me 20 years. <laughs> I'm not going to suggest it's going to take anyone else 20 years. But what I'm saying is be patient. Yeah. You know, and in the work I do, I always say to my clients, you know, be patient because everything that you're doing is a step in the right direction. And that includes the step backwards. There's learning in everything.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's where once you get to your greatness, you meet others that are at their greatness. And it's all this is why I love the law of attraction, because that vibration gets higher. So you get to connect i mean ever since you and i have first met i have felt that connection yeah. and we might go weeks and weeks we won't speak to each other but as soon as we reach out that connection is there yeah. again yeah. and this is because we've done the work we've we know and recognize our greatness and that's where i think everyone i mean yes we're talking about international women's day here but anyone no matter where they are in their career if they can understand Everything you're sharing, that whole idea of greatness, get into what they see as their nirvana, as it were, what is perfect for them, Mm -hmm. or as close to what they want. If they can work to that, they won't put a foot wrong. Yes, they might have where they go backwards, but that's life, and that's because the universe is sending us other lessons we need to learn. But the groundwork and the foundations are there then because you know. You are then going to connect with those that resonate at the same level as you, and that you then help keep each other up. You help each other stay in that greatness because you can see like attracts like. And I think that's why you and I have connected because I, everything you're saying, I go ping, 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 because it, everything just resonates with me. It's wonderful. Well, the
0: community, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Community, we are, we're wired to live in community. That's, that's an old um, primordial instinct to stay safe. And so this pandemic, unfortunately, has, has separated us all out. But to choose to be in community with a women's group or with um, a cohort of something in, in your area or even just something recreational. It yes. gives us that connection, and we bounce off people, as you say, and then we're 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 really moving. So if you are isolated and it feels difficult, just take the first step. Just have a research, look around, and start to move. I think the thing is, is that the analogy of sitting like a rabbit in the headlamps, I think, is the, is really the place we need to move from. Yeah. Because that's when there is no movement. And its I've done it. I know it. So I have absolute compassion. I have sat on my sofa and wondered, what now?
1: Hmm.
0: But very quickly, I think, okay, accept where you are. Hold it dear. But now find something to change it. Find a little avenue. Find a little way. And just slowly, slowly move your way forwards." And the big word, of course, is as women in business, as women in the world, we're taught to take care of everyone else but ourselves. And the important part really is if we can have compassion and kindness and have our own big sister installed inside, who is really nurturing us, that will be, to me, the most important thing that I probably have learned is that. My inner voice and what I say to myself is probably my greatest strength now. Yeah. Um, I started speaking out loud to myself, pal. And
1: Why do I, that regularly? <laughs> a
0: great thing, you know, because I can make sense of things. So, you know, some people like to write things down and some people, you know, do it different ways. But I actually find I can make a lot of sense out of my problems if I talk out loud to myself about them and answer my own my own questions and it really works so there's there's lots and lots of things we can do and you know I love working with people and I love the work that I do and I'm slowly getting around to the answering your question about my career so I had rewired my mind and I'd rewired my brain basically quite literally to walk again and to become right-handed and all of those things. And I figured out somehow along the line that my brain was involved in this. And I figured out that there was a lot more going on than I knew. Yeah. And somehow in the depths of my madness at the time coming off the medication, I figured out that what I was thinking was damaging me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I made an absolute decision there and then, to try and think positive thoughts. This was way before I knew anything about Bruce Lipton or epigenetics or neuroscience or neuroplasticity. I didn't even know the words. <laughs> so when I recovered, I was curious, the big word again. I was curious about how had I done that? How had that all worked? And then I came across neuroplasticity, neurogenesis and all of those wonderful words. And then I figured out, that's what I did. I wonder if I could do that for people in real life. I wonder if I could have a career. I wonder if I could help people. I didn't have anyone in that realm to help me. And that's where I became, my whole passion ignited because I thought, I just decided I'm going to help people. I'm going to work with people. I'm going to give my all. And I'm going to bring people the transformation that I had in a more formalized way footing and setting. So I trained to be a clinical hypnotherapist and I began my practice only about five years ago. And I have a very busy practice and I have a waiting list of about two months at the moment for people to see me. And I also coach and mentor, which I absolutely adore. And there is so much value in having somebody to mentor and coach you. I, and I'm always upskilling myself. I, I always have a coach for myself. I'm always training and I'm always learning. I learned a huge amount through my life and I'm so hungry to learn more. And that reflects in my work. I am. I give my all to my clients. It is so important to me that they have the best experience I can offer them. And I am so... I suppose I'm so grateful because I have such a story behind me that all of those experiences I bring into the therapeutic setting, into the the therapeutic alliance. And I can hold that space and I'm solid and I'm strong and I'm reaching into the the deeper parts of myself with my clients. I like to say, pal, that we let go of the theory (laughs) and we become deep listeners. If we can become deep listeners... That's where all the nuggets are going to be found. That's where the gems are. And that's what I try and do every day is to be a deep listener to my clients. Of course, I've got the theory and what I need to do. But I think if somebody is truly heard in their heart and in their soul, that alone is transformative. We need to give our clients our whole attention, our whole awareness And then I believe that you enter into some kind of subconscious realm together where the critical mind disappears. And then we're, we're working on a kind of an intuitive basis. And that's where we get a lot of the results. And that's what I love doing. That's
1: really my true passion. And you are fantastic at it. I know I keep saying that word all the way through, <laughs> but this is why I love to interview you because you are inspirational. Everything you do is phenomenal. Everything you've worked through and your message and the way you work with your clients. And it's no wonder you have a waiting list because you are so good in the results you get. just important yeah exactly
0: people's hard-earned money and it needs to give them results and that's my responsibility and um the you know the speaking side of it came relatively um soon um, more recently and um because i i i just again it's funny you know it's these things that become awakened in us
1: yeah.
0: i wouldn't have if you'd have said five years ago that i like to speak and i i would love to share my life story i think i'd have crawled under a rock to be very honest (laughs) I don't think I think I'd have you know I'd have laughed at you and I have such a passion for speaking I love to share my story and I love to leave people with the belief that they too can achieve their own greatness they can true can come into their realm and they can shine as a person in the way they need to shine and so I absolutely adore speaking and I I really think that it's something that I'm going to grow more as part of my business
1: yeah oh this is absolutely wonderful and it's your whole story your journey and to see what you've achieved in five years where you've put that effort in have you always been a high achiever is it, is it in your nature to, to say, yes, you're going to get to the top of everything?
0: Oh, well, I don't know the answer to that, Paul. I do know that through the experiences I've had, I do think that I, I'm responding, and I have to watch it, I am also responding to um, a work ethic that I inherited. Yeah. But the, the beauty about what I do now is is that I'm doing something I love so I'm driven yeah. internally to keep doing it because the joy I get in, in in getting a message from my client to say I am feeling so much better, or I, I'm you know my job is is feeling so much better. I'm more at home in myself. I'm more capable. I'm more self actualized, or I have more confidence, or I like myself better. That to me is the work ethic that keeps me going. When I see people's lives changed. When I see the transformations that happened, when I use the tools and skills that I had to use and they work for other people, that is a win-win as far as I'm concerned. And I will never stop doing what I'm doing. And I will never stop speaking um, about these experiences because that also I believe heals another layer in me every single time. Yeah. And you know, that's that's the the payoff for me, which is a wonderful payoff. You know, it's fabulous. I can, I can feel better and better every day. You know, through that, so it's marvelous.
1: Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And do you find? I mean, I've said law of attraction a few times, but it is it's that like attracts like? Do you find that you see a bit of you in each of your clients that come to you? Mm.
0: That's a really nice question to ask. I, I see. Yes, I see parts of myself in my clients. And I think maybe that that my clients see a part of themselves in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives them permission to accept who they are inside. Mm -hmm. I'm a very open person and I'm I, you know, I I speak my truth very easily. And somebody said to me recently, they said, by you speaking your truth, Rachel, you give everybody else permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so I think that. Clients are immediately drawn to me because most of them know about my story. They trust me. They know they can trust their their fragile hearts or minds to me, that I will hold them with reverence and that I will use every tool I have in my toolbox to bring them to being in a better place. And I work outside of the box a lot of the time, and I'm, I'm very comfortable doing that because I feel so grounded because I feel so strong in my role so I can hold the space to my clients. So I believe that they are attracted to me and I'm attracted to them. I think that we, we naturally gravitate towards the person who's right for us. There are so many brilliant therapists out there. I know I'm one of hundreds and hundreds and each Each therapist will attract different clients. And that's the beauty of it because I love it. There's a big ocean out there and there's so many nice connections to be made. And some clients wouldn't look at me twice, but they will look at somebody else and, and, you know, so on and so forth. I think it's a beautiful melange of energies that attract the right client to the right therapist for the right reasons. And then when that happens, it's
1: like a key in a lock. It quite literally is. And I love that bit. And even to go back to anyone, like I say, again, if it's just a young girl listening and I say to all the audience members here, if you're listening to this message that Rachel has and you know someone in your family that could benefit from it, please share this episode so that they can listen. And it's almost you actually see this and you see the coping mechanisms. and think, yes, I can. I can get this to work and seeing where where you said, yes, there's lots of people. When we say coaching, it's almost like a buzzword and you see lots of coaches. But anyone, wherever you are in your career, don't give up on a career because you think it's already saturated because your ideal client, the person that resonates with you, they come to you because of your personality. You might all have learned you might have five people that have learned and been on the same course but they all have a different personality and it's your personality and the way you work with people that draws the clients to you. So I say no, I say to everyone, never give up, never think that it's too much competition because the right people are out there for you. And that's just it, just be yourself. Like you say, speak your truth and those that fully understand your truth will come back to you because they will fully understand what it is you're sharing.
0: Absolutely. Different people resonate with different people. And that thing about feeling, oh, there's lots of this out there, are lots of coaches, lots of therapists, I would totally agree with you. There is room for everybody. Yeah. There is more than enough for everybody to go around. And what I love about getting – and when I started at first, I didn't really feel that. I felt rather gauche and I felt rather, you know, oh, my goodness, how am I ever going to think? but the more you cement that actually – it's me, my personality, my experience. It's what I'm bringing to the table that attracts different clients. What that does is it let, lets go of the need to grab or to hold on to. Yeah. And then you, it's literally attracting. It's quite literally magnetism. And I love that sense of knowing that the right people will come at the right time. And same for the client. Generally, people will find the right therapist. There might be a few times when we don't, But I think that the energy we give out is the energy that comes back. And then it is a bit like a a magnet, a key, you know, hitting together. And it's it's, it's a fabulous thing when it happens. It is truly transformative. It's quite exciting. And uh, both people feel it. There's a magnetism. There's an energy. There's a vibration that changes and everything starts to happen.
1: It's brilliant. And is it? It's something I've literally seen today. I mean, before we started this interview, I was talking about that I was back with a corporate client. And all throughout COVID and lockdown, I haven't been with a corporate client. I've been working on myself, doing my spiritual side. And I was introduced to the whole team. And I thought, right, how do I do this? And I literally said my 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 elevator pitch as it were what I was that I was a digital consultant I was a business and spiritual coach and that I was a speaker teacher and mentor and then I added the podcast host bit and normally if I'd have been with corporate I'd have been so scared oh no I have to use corporate speak I have to use that high level so people understand yet Everyone I have spoken to since I introduced myself have all said, I love the fact that you shared about being spiritual. I'd like to talk to you about that further. And it, this is just you be yourself, you speak yeah. your truth. And the difference, this is the universe bringing the right people to me again. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: pal. Well. And the thing is, being your authentic self feels risky in the beginning, because we're all brought up to be not good enough, or, you know, all of those things are not lovable, not likeable. But the thing is, the bravery of being your authentic self is just the most fabulous feeling. And if people are starting out being their authentic self, just deal with the, the wobbly bit in your tummy just because it will go and it will start to turn into something really empowering and solid and gorgeous and and then you do it every day. And the thing is, is you don't have to be liked by everybody. That was the biggest revelation. Oh, yes, us yes. some <laughs> freedom. Not, not everybody has to like me. So when you've got that, I think then you're, you know, you're, I like to call it I'm mature now. <laughs> I'm learning to be mature, that I can accept that I won't be liked by everybody. And the same in business. We won't attract every client. We don't need to attract every client. And it's about that give and take and that, that being around in it that is so fluid. If you can be fluid and trust,
1: then... You're okay. You're gonna do okay. And trust is a big word. It is. And once you've got that, it is it feeds back into the greatness and the fact that you're curious. And I, I just love all of it. I love the way you pull everything together. And I have just seen the time and I'm aware that you've been speaking for almost an hour and this isn't fair on you because you do so many speaking events and I need to look after your voice for you as well. I love you. So I am going to draw this interview to a close, but I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked every single lady that's on the International Women's Day series. So, Rachel, when we look at International Women's Day, they always have a theme every year. And this year, the theme is choose to challenge. What does that mean to you? So what would you say that you choose to challenge, please? Mm, I love that question.
0: I think it'll have to be personal for me, pal, because um, yeah. I, I I really do like always to challenge myself internally and personally. I think I challenge myself to never become complacent with anything that I have. To always challenge myself every single day to see the newness, the brilliance, the brightness, and challenge myself to learn something new that I never knew every single day. I think that's what I challenge myself.
1: Oh, that is fantastic. And every time I hear someone share what they choose to challenge, I'm thinking, yes, yes, yes. But everything you said truly resonates, and I'm hoping that it resonates with all the listeners as well. Me too. It just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you for once more being my guest. And I know I've asked you before and I would love you to come back and be a regular guest. I know you're super busy, so it's where your schedule will fit. But you have such a wealth of knowledge to share. Well, I it would,
0: would be my you. pleasure, Pearl. It really will. It's always is. a pleasure to talk to you. You're a wonderful lady and you're helping a lot of people, too.
1: Thank you. Well, I feel exactly the same, exactly the same for you. I am so glad you came into my life and I have the chance to share that with everyone that listens because you have such a fantastic voice and message to share. I want everyone to hear it. So it just leaves me to say a massive thank you to say to the listeners, I will get this interview up tonight. So anyone that listens to it straight away, they might not have all the details, but I will get all the details of how you can connect with Rachel afterwards. So please, if you come to listen and it's not there, please come back because all the details will be added. It's just I'm doing quite a lot of interviews at the minute. So, Rachel, thank you so much. And I can't wait until you're my guest again.
0: My
1: pleasure. Have a good evening. Thank you. you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.